0: Welcome to the second season of the Mastering the Mind podcast, where we will now be exploring the exciting and fast growing world of esports. We will be interviewing a variety of professional esports players, coaches, and stakeholders in order to better understand the psychological demands of competing at the elite level and the important role the mind plays in esports performance. Today we welcome Chris Osterreicher to the podcast. Chris is Fnatic's League of Legends team manager.
1: He has operated as team manager since December 2020, having previously worked as the head of business development and esports at LMNTE Esports Marketing. So let's welcome Chris to the podcast.
0: Hello.
2: Finally. <laughs> yeah. Somehow yeah. botched together a setup like this room was a uh, storage two hours ago. Oh God. Okay. Hey, yes. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, it looks decent though. You got the uh, the pictures around the room? Actually,
2: I do. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> also clean. part of the storage, by the way. <laughs> Not <laughs> being used this year, yeah, but no. it doesn't look too shady at least. How are you doing? Yeah, oh, good. good. A great place we
1: like to start with our, with our podcast guests. We start every podcast like this. Um, for the listeners to get to know you a bit better, we've already introduced you, but sort of give us an overview from growing up to where you are now. How did you get involved with esports? The you full know, story. Experience. Yeah, yeah,
2: give us it. The- Holy moly! How much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> Plenty. <laughs> I'm 35, so I'm actually I think the oldest manager in the league. So this will take longer than usual. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I'm Austrian. My name's Christian. Um, I did grow up in Vienna for for the majority of my life. I to skip the whole school part. That's probably the same for everyone else. I uh, have two business degrees. I studied. I went to university. And I specialized in sports marketing, and I always knew that I want to work in sports. I never was that interested to to be an athlete or to kind of work on the performing side. I always wanted to be a manager for some reason. I don't know why. Okay. And back then, as a huge Formula One fan, that was oh. that was my main goal. And for some reason, by three accidents, I met someone at sports who worked in Formula One. And that the guy actually got me a job in Formula 1 as well. So my first real job was in Formula 1 and not in esports. Wow. And um, I mean, it was not that fancy, obviously. Like I was 22, 23. So I was just trying to get to find a way to to make it on track and to, you know, leave my mark there. Uh, so I was starting out as a security, like literally at the gates, just, you know, checking yeah. passes and, and stuff like this. And um, yeah, but it, it was five years. So, of course, over the time, Um by year two, I was working as a security for a team. I was working for Toro Rosso back then. So the the second Red Bull team that's now Alpha Tari. Yeah. And yeah, like with obviously they're not used that that securities have something in their brains usually, like <laughs> their words, not mine. Yeah. And so I got more and more responsibilities and I was more became more a part of the operational team. So kind of the assistant on track. And I did that for two years. Then I went to the FIA. Basically did the same thing there and at some point i kind of wanted to go full-time into f1 like when my master's degree was done and back then there weren't that many options really like i wanted to go into digital media and digital marketing and like i literally sat down in monza with the guy who was leading the department back then and he was like i mean for sure you can join we have an agency in london we propose bernie Ecclestone a lot of cool things and usually he says no (laughs) Okay. and he was like I mean you need to know what you're kind of getting yourself into and I was like okay I can go to an agency in London where I'm really unhappy or I can go to an agency in Vienna where at least I see my family more and you know my friends mm-hmm. and so yeah I went back to Vienna I was working in agencies in sports marketing and uh, advertising for I think four years or something mm-hmm. and then DH came back to go back into sports and I always did um, small esports projects on the side like 2016 or something, I founded a, a small team in Vienna, actually, in Austria. We were quite successful. Like, we just had like two years or something. But we, I think to this day, I don't want to say something wrong, but at least to my knowledge, we were, we managed to get into the first division Germany, which for an Austrian team was unheard yeah. of back then. And we're actually quite successful. And yeah, long story short, then 2020, I got the, uh, I learned that the, the job in Fnatic was open. Was We were in conversations for, I think it took two weeks, not even, maybe one and a half weeks, and then, yeah, I took over here, or it took over, I became a part of the team here, yeah. and ever since then, I work in Fnatic, obviously Fnatic is uh, one of the biggest esports organizations in the world, very proud of that, very proud to be a part of, of the team here. And yeah, I've moved to Berlin in 2020, obviously at the worst timing possible because it was COVID. There was yeah. nothing open. For one and a half years, it was just basically closed business. We were yeah. going from hotel to office to hotel to office, and that was yeah. the life. Um, but yeah, we're enjoying it by now. Berlin is open again. You can actually meet people and have a life now a little bit more. So it's all, all fun and games.
0: Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. It sounds fascinating. and. Um, so were you, you were a gamer yourself, like back in the day, what games did you sort of play?
2: Like the, the game that got me hooked the most is actually Unreal Tournament. Okay. That was okay. back in the days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And from Unreal Tournament, um, actually in Germany, there was a thing that was called Giga Liga. Like only like really old German people will know the Giga Liga. <laughs> and it was Counter-Strike 1.6 back in the days, Unreal Tournament, Warcraft 3. I think Starcraft or something like it was kind of a, a small league of just yeah. all the esports title, uh, titles back in the time. And I started with Unreal Tournament, then this, but this game never really took off. And then I transitioned into Counter-Strike and I'm, I'm a, actually an FPS shooter oh. player more than anything else. Yeah. And actually one of my biggest challenges when I got this job here is that I had zero idea about League of Legends. Like this to me oh. was obviously one of the bigger challenges because it's, I never wanted to start playing League or Dota because it was just too com- complex for me. Like, I, I'm not interested in learning about 160 champions before, before I can actually start enjoying the game. Yeah. But I had to. <laughs> so yeah. now I'm playing League 2. And it's obviously once you're over the hurdle of kind of, you know, being overwhelmed by everything and everything's so complex, yeah. um, League is actually a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's very daunting. Like, Oliver and I aren't really, like, into League because, like, yourself, we're sort of, like, scared to, you know, get into it. because It's it's so so, much. It's so complex. It's different to, like,
1: whatever we've ever sort of, like, experienced on games that we've played, personally. Um, But it's definitely something, like, I want to learn and maybe play as well. For sure. No, it's like,
2: I love these games that are kind of easy to learn how to master, like Counter-Strike. Like, everyone, if you watch Counter-Strike for the first time in your life, you know what's going on. Yeah. Like it's it's quite simple. The rounds are short. Uh, it's it doesn't really need any explanation. Of course, you're you're crap for like five years until you're really good. But in league, like it, li- it literally took like a year for me to play the game of just kind of being able to follow our games when I'm watching them on stage, because like every champion has different abilities, different items do different things, and I was always just asking kind of. Either coaches or or you like the director here, and it was like, "Okay, what's happening now?" Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. And yeah, now yeah. I can confidently say I know most things that, that there are. Okay,
1: yeah. so for you to sort of get the job as the League of Legends, you know, team manager, could you sort of talk us through like what your day to day looks like um, for like for you not to have that strong of a knowledge to get the job? Like, what are you sort of doing yeah. on a day to day?
2: It's actually I mean it's a more a business job than a an, a performance oriented yeah, job really. Exactly. Um basically in maybe maybe we, we need to step a, a little back in in the facility here we have different kind of departments even though the whole facility is for League of Legends like Valorant will join us soon but the the thought of this facility was all, League of Legends only and we have players and coaches who are only focused on the game like they don't want to or they're, they're not really responsible for anything else then we have the management department which is me and dardo um who's or let's let's say different we have content we have a berlin administrator that's taking care of a lot of the bureaucracy and we're kind of the the links between everything else yeah. like dardo is more the you know the strategic part the long-term part he's talking to the higher ups at riot and now more for the the day-to-day the, the press the the whole facility thing, like um, obviously that's not something that he necessarily wants to wants to have on his sheet. And the whole move, finding the facility, making sure the contracts are there, like the whole kind of business part of the the situation, um, that's on me. And from the day to day, it's it's really like everything. Like sometimes I feel what's not on my plane. Yeah. but it's sometimes from small things, like whenever a player needs something, because ultimately you want them to focus on the game and on the game alone. And we take that very seriously. Sometimes I think esports teams take it too seriously. Um, but from whenever they have issues with bureaucracy, personal issues, obviously you're you're like everything. You're also a little bit of a psychiatrist. Um, to problems in game, problem with uh, with Riot, with the, the publisher of the game, who's unlike most sports titles, I would say, his Riot is everything. Like Riot is the the judge and jury. And so the the relationship to Riot is very important, and sometimes yeah, it's from player behavior to you know uh, press requests. A lot of content comes from Riot, and obviously a lot of bureaucracy, office day to day. Like it's it's really easier to say what I'm not doing. This is signing yeah. the contracts. Everything else is kind of is kind of on me.
0: Okay, yeah. super interesting
1: yeah yeah for sure so in terms of like the demands of a league of legends manager like what are some of the so some of the main ones like if you would sort of detail it out like what are some main challenges you found um entering the space
2: i think the the main challenge is a personal one like is to basically you're managing character you're managing people yeah. and this is the I mean, it sounds sometimes quite easy or straightforward, but in reality, we have eight, five players and three coaches here, and everyone is emotional. Everyone has their own issues. Everyone has a good day and a bad day. And it's sometimes you're you're just the, or I think the most challenging part is actually, kind of you say in motorsports, bringing the horsepower down to the street because people have different views of the game. And obviously, um, bringing them, making them see the game at the same level or kind of the strategic point is part of the coaches, but we're always there to, to help and to, yeah. The, I, th- I think the personalities are the biggest challenge of, you know, making sure if there's an issue in or outside of the game, it's addressed soon and it's addressed uh, transparently. And yeah, it sounds a bit weird. It's probably not a very good explanation, but I found that the biggest challenges that we usually have is, yeah, is managing the people. <laughs> Together. yeah I'm, I'm interested to know
1: do fanatic uh, league of legends specifically have a sports psychologist
2: we do we do yeah. basically form. like we had a performance coach that was mostly focusing on on the athletic side of things okay. but we've learned that this is not necessarily where the issues come from because on one hand, you will not you will not change someone that doesn't, doesn't want to work out. Like We are very blessed. We, we have five people who actually move and who move regularly. So that's not necessarily our main point of concern. But we found over the last two, three years that the main issues that I think all esports teams have is that at some point in the season, there comes a time where an issue occurs and you need to address this and you need to really speak your mind. And that's why now... Our performance coach is not necessarily an athletic performance coach, but is more a psychologist. Yeah. He actually has a degree in psychology and is a sports psychologist. Okay. And this to us is, has leveled up our game a lot. And obviously people need to buy into, which is an issue that in the past fanatic teams, they they wanted to introduce performance coaches that are more on the psychologist uh, side of things. Yeah. And it's hard if people absolutely don't buy into it or think, you know, I'm perfect. I actually don't need you speak to someone else. He, he Actually, he has the issue, not me. And and these are the things where you need to maneuver through and kind of try everyone to open up. And it's, again, in in normal people terms, if you have an issue, talk about it. In esports terms, or maybe more in sports terms, getting egomaniacs that are used to being the voice in lower level teams, yeah. and you have five people who are used to being the voice or being the carrier or some, something else, and now people have to adjust to someone else just to a different play style or maybe are no longer the main carry these are the things where it needs a performance coach it needs us and obviously strong coaches that yeah are are not afraid of conflict because you need to you need to talk about this then it's done yeah. usually most of the times and then it's good but in in a lot of the lower level teams or i mean also with us like if you if you don't think of if there's conflict if you find conflict you don't solve it right away it just snowballs out of control every single time like yeah. without fail. yeah 100%.
0: just going back to that point uh about the sort of performance coach i think the gold standard would, to ha- would be to have you know like a snc coach uh a, like a sports psychologist like like a, a multidisciplinary team basically yeah, uh, because everything's sort of related to each other so um. But yeah, I can I can understand. You know, maybe esports isn't right there yet in terms of having that structure, um, either t- for like budget reasons or. Um, but yeah that's interesting. I,
2: I think more and more teams are getting onto it. Like we're definitely not the first. Like I yeah. think the first time that I really noticed it was before I even joined Fnatic. There was an Australis, twenty seventeen or something.
1: Miestova, yeah, yeah. a legendary team. Yeah, yeah,
2: perfect. They never won anything. And then she comes in. I'm probably. I mean, for sure, it's not just her. Uh, no. Not just her. No. But, yeah. Uh, that's to kind of the same feeling that I had. That um, if you have the right psychologist that actually knows how to create conflict in a way that it's getting solved, or create um, kind of yeah, butting heads together. Like we need to sit you two down together. I'll be there. I want to talk about this issue that we have. <clears throat> and that literally happens on a daily basis. Yeah. I want to play aggressive. I want to play passive. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? And no matter how good these people are, no matter how long they're in the scene, these you know these things happen, as I mentioned every every week, every day, yeah. and you need to be on top of these things.
1: It's interesting. Are you sort of um, like obviously you have coach like? Are you in charge of recruitment? Like do do you do that or do you leave that to the coach?
2: In terms of in Place. charge of recruitment, mm, necessarily is is Dardo in okay. in our team but obviously he's or like where well, for example if we hire a coach we sit down together like yeah who do you think of who am i thinking of okay. <clears throat> like it's a it's a collaborative effort but i'm it's mostly it's on his part and he comes with someone like what do you think of this guy and yeah. i think we're we have a really really good one with Crusher now like it's it's been really good so far yeah and no, it's
1: interesting because i've never really thought of it like that where you know um Obviously, in the in the lower like leagues, like they were used to being the star players and then coming together. Because, like, obviously, I'm my main sports football, and like having done my masters uh, interviewing coaches in, in the Premier League level, um, you know, a balance of characters was something that they valued. Um, and for you to say that you know they've all got like these big egos and they're obviously unbelievable players, I suppose it's a real big challenge to sort of manage that um yeah
2: so 100%. yeah it's uh it's an interesting
0: dynamic yeah and it's it's i'm sorry no go ahead <laughs> go ahead let me know
2: no i just wanted to say it's It's absolutely understandable because yeah um i mean just take someone like like rosberg in our team who's literally the main carry of misfits back in the days with the together and he comes to a team where people actually don't say do what, we want, what you want but i need you to be here at this at this time and then he can't really play his game anymore. His performance kind of drops, even though if it doesn't drop. And these are things that you have to be on top of, of
0: course. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess their role kind of evolves when they come into these teams. Like, it's not sort of, they can't... Yeah, they just have to evolve as players, I think. Know that they might play another role than they used to back in the old team, for example. So be more of a Absolutely. support player rather than that star player. So, um, But it's hard to accept because, you know... Your sort of identity is all around you, being that leader, being the best guy. And then that sort of changes once you're, you know, in a team and, of
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these are that... the difficult things because then, then you have someone who's, who's the main carry. And, and I'm not speaking about Razer anymore. Who's the main carry or who's used to being the main carry. <clears throat> and then he has to sacrifice, maybe just a little bit, but he's not the one anymore. And then, you know, you, you hear critique from outside hey, this guy is not that good anymore, or I don't know what's happening in this team because this guy is not it anymore. And then you think, okay, I'm just doing what the team wants for me. And now I'm getting critiqued and yeah. I'm dropping in the ranks and maybe my value even drops because ultimately it's it's a business. And as mentioned, that's why I'm saying that the hardest part of this job and honestly, of the whole thing that we're doing here is making sure that these five guys are looking down the same lane and are having the same goals and know that if I'm sacrificing something in one game, I'm doing it for the greater good. Good. And that's ultimately something that we want and we look for.
1: As, in, in terms of like your experience as a team manager, um, have you had any role clarity issues or have you sort of, um, were they clear on the role that they want you to do personally or yeah. have you sort of, um, I sort of, I don't know, had that freedom to to have your effects, you know?
2: Um, yes and no. I mean, okay. ultimately, I came uh, I came to the team, and back then, we were a much smaller team. Like, in the last two years, a lot of things changed. And it was even worse than now, where it's like, okay, from the here to here, all these things are need, need need to be done, and you're not necessarily in charge of doing these things, but you're in charge of getting them done yeah. sometimes it's it means that you actually have to do i don't know there's something tomorrow some someone comes from hq and the cleaning team didn't make it here like then okay uh, back then it was like okay I, I guess i have to clean now i guess yeah. i'm the dishwasher guy now <laughs> and in in obviously in, in other terms it's on the other extreme when there's like a something where that someone above me doesn't have time for then obviously i'm helping out and i'm obviously trying to put myself more into the things that i'm that i'm used to like more on the business side of things but in the beginning my role was not not clear at all yeah. not because it's it's it wasn't clear on the kind of on the hiring side but mainly because teams are used that the team manager does literally like literally everything in esports and i'm used to the motorsport side of things where you're more the kind of the person that looks over these things and yeah. gives either the final okay and has more <clears throat> more responsibility so this is something that we've we've worked together on in the last two years and now now I'm kind of getting my role more into what I think it should be yeah okay. and because if you look through the team managers in the league i mean we're only 10 people and the people have like you have some someone that's very junior you have someone that's much more senior like that this role is not easily definable i think and it depends from team to team really what they I want
1: s- yeah i suppose adaptability is like probably the biggest uh quality that yeah you need <laughs> 100% <laughs> yeah what are some other qualities you feel um you know a successful esports manager needs um it, for any like people looking to get into that role like what would you say quality-wise mm-hmm. they need
2: uh, one thing that you have to know if you if you're getting into a job like this but i think that goes for most jobs in in the scene that's actually on the ground working in the pro team is that it has to become your life to a degree. Like you can't do this with the mindset that it's 40 hours and I'm done. And like we literally, we're here six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. And when the season is on, it's on. You can't say I'm sick tomorrow if tomorrow there's an ultimate deadline from Riot. And if we miss this deadline, then we can't play the next week or something. And these things happen and they always happen at the worst point of time or I don't know, your your girlfriend is visiting and you only have three days and on these three days, we need something done like ASAP. Then you have to tank these things because ultimately you're the only real person here that's responsible for these things. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is hard to understand when you're on the outside, that ultimately when you're here, when the season is on, you're working. It doesn't matter if it's three in the morning. Like I've had things where I wasn't working and the player's calling me like, yo, they're kicking me out of my apartment. Like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm like, and he's like, they're kicking me out. I don't know why. And so I had to drop basically everything that I had and drive to the player and had to figure these things out. And we had to, that they would literally kick him out of the hotel. There was a miscommunication back there. And we had to find him an apartment from like now to now. And that was back in the Corona days where there there was no availability at all. And sometimes these things happen. And as mentioned, they always happen at the worst points of time. And like, if you're getting into this job, you gotta know this becomes your life, and you gotta love it at the same time. Because for me, this is something, or honestly, for everyone here, that's something we do very intentional. That's something right. if you if you're out here by you know scrims ended, I need to leave in five minutes, and this is your mindset every day, you will not have fun simply because everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is is, is gaining an advantage over you. We have more knowledge. The team is bonding together after working times actually and like this is one of the main things i would say that you in order to get in you need these things Mm -hmm. at the same time maybe more in terms of what you were actually asking i think it's easier easier than ever to get into professional sports teams these days like back when i was trying back in formula one there were no internships really there were no kind of the, the whole job market platform like today with linkedin like you click three times and you have the all of the available eSports jobs in the world, and I think it's gotten much easier, and ultimately, you need to be a little persistent, maybe or resilient, that maybe you won't get everything you want or maybe not in the time that you want, but if you if you show that you care, it's I think you can everyone can make it these days to to really get it
1: okay. Uh, yeah i suppose as sports psychologists um we really try to promote things like uh self-care and preventing yeah. burnout how obviously your role sounds like the complete, <laughs> complete opposite of that um how do you sort of manage that um like do you have any self-care at all like what are some things you maybe put in place um yeah we cause... we do
2: have some defense mechanisms <laughs> okay <Yeah>. um, <laughs> talk us through that the <laughs> thing is in in the beginning it was it was really hard for me to 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 kind of shut off and exactly what you mentioned yeah. and it takes such a toll. Like basically, I was working for the first three months. I maybe had two off days or something, and it was not because there was so much. I was working that much, but just because there was no way of you know sure. drawing borders and everything kind of was or felt like work. Yeah. And basically, over over the years, I found that for me, because. I only have one phone. I don't, I'm not a big fan of carrying two phones around, having one work phone and one, one other phone. And maybe you really do miss something that's important, which ultimately is what I'm here for as well. So I'm telling my players that I'm reading everything and I'm always getting your messages. But if it's not important, or if it can, if it can work until the next day, I'm not replying. Okay. And this is something that works very well for me personally. Like people can send me messages to, just to get something off their minds or something. But if if it's not important, if it doesn't need to get done in the minute, then I'm I'm ignoring these things. And that's something that, to me, personally, it feels very weird. Like, if I'm getting a message from a family or from, some, from a friend, I usually reply whenever I see it. Like, I don't want to leave 15 messages unread. Yeah. But that's, to me, that was one of the ways of, I have to always know what's going on. But I don't always have to, you know, jump if if there's a small issue or if there's something like literally a question about something that we can speak about tomorrow. Like let's speak about it tomorrow. But mm-hmm. obviously, and this is something that you also need to need to be aware of. Esports players operate at different times than I'm just calling normal people. <laughs> and yeah. this is something that you really need to get accustomed to because the, I don't know, the messages start to come from 10 p.m. onwards. And I'm getting messages into three in the morning. like sometimes sometimes it's obviously maybe important like if i'm sleeping i'm sorry i didn't get the message yeah but other days it's just like i don't know what patch are we playing on tomorrow like i'm gonna tell you tomorrow like (laughs) it doesn't need to be answered at one in the morning and like these these small things that i think the the biggest kind of culture change when you get into this business is that it's not like you're used it's not your life that you're used to It's everything's happening later like, our start of the day is 11 a.m., and that's, I think, early for most eSports teams. And our end of the day is 8 p.m., like, when we have dinner. Like, most people are then out by 8.30, 9 p.m. or something. And, like, yeah. that's that's your day. So, you have, like, two hours in the morning, three hours in the morning, and a little bit afterwards. And you kind of have to manage your life outside of these, of these times. Yeah, it's yes. tough.
0: But it's good that you set those boundaries and that you communicate those boundaries with the players as well. So then there's not any sort of conflict with the rest of that. It's like you're clear, you know, at the start. No, these are my boundaries. 100%. So, yeah. It's really and it's interesting. So- I
2: think it's something that's important for them too because they're... I mean, it's also not good for them to constantly think of, of working. I mean, they do because ultimately if they're playing the game and they have to play the game a lot, uh, it's still work. But if if we're communicating that hey ultimately we're always there for you if if your house is on fire give me a call and we'll be there but if if it's not necessary take your rest make sure that on an off day you don't you you can speak to anyone but you know take your time take your rest and this is something that we've emphasized from the beginning it's something that doesn't come natural to everyone and ultimately everyone here is used to competing for years like uh, obviously, but it's it's something that we tr- really try to encourage. And also our performance coach now is really trying to hammer. Rest is a part of the performance. And, yeah. you know, we we try to educate them as much as we can. Some things go in and out of their heads as as happens, but I think also still we do have an impact, especially with how persistent we are sometimes. It's it's good. I think yeah. we, we, we're doing a good job here.
1: Yeah, I've really tried to start spreading a message in terms of like that grind culture in esports, you know, because I really identify with being a grinder myself. You know, mm-hmm. I like to identify with working hard. But I think if we reframe what grinding means and add things into the grind culture, like other than just playing, so things like self care, things like rest, things like exercise things like analyzing performance analyzing opposition there's, there's so many other things other than just playing the game where you can do which will benefit your performance because ultimately just playing and playing and playing and playing can actually have the opposite effect um so yeah, oh, yeah. that's that's sort 100%. of the thing I've been trying to promote yeah
2: but yeah. actually the the one of the things that I, ga- I gained I a whole different level of respect for professional esports players when I joined because I was working before obviously with professional athletes but with athletes rest and and you know taking time off is much more I don't know maybe it's an education thing maybe it's just because you're performing physically you just can't work or work out 10 12 hours a day like normal humans some do (laughs) um and here it's like of course I can play 16 hours a day why can't I play 16 hours a day And Mm -hmm. then they know, but hey, did the last five solo queues every day? You're not, not only not having fun, you're not learning anything, you're not really progressing in in sort of what you want to learn with a specific champ or timings or something. And then uh, you kind of have to force them sometimes to for their own good. But at the same time, I think um, we're at a point in esports and professional esports that it, it is a point for. I would say, or I want to say, every team. Like I think every team by now has a performance coach. Every team knows that this is a priority. And also, players that come into the league, players that are now in the R.L. in the academy leagues, already get sort of raised with a degree that these are things that I I need to do in order to become a professional. And and we do. I want to say we do see a shift in terms of everything is getting a little better a little more professional mm-hmm. and a little more in sort of in in, in terms like i don't want to say work-life balance because there is not no such a thing as in in real competition but it's more in that direction at least yeah
0: i was gonna say it's accessibility as well you know you can just you know hop out of bed go to your computer whereas you know in traditional sports it's like you need equipment you might need someone to help you with like uh like you know, coaches for example um so yeah, it's, that also plays a part. But I guess also another thing is, uh, yeah, go ahead.
2: No, actually, you remind me of something which is actually the the best and the worst part of, of eSports, I think, in my opinion,
0: yeah.
2: is that you can literally become a pro player in your underwear in your mom's basement. Yeah. Because everything you need is a computer and an internet connection that is not absolute crappy. And... We've seen this with some, like, our academy player, uh, Dayer, is now playing in in the LEC on the highest level. And he never played professionally. He never even played in a team before. We literally, we had a player, uh, one of our our mid laner back last year, I think it was last year, no, no, in 2021, um, needed, kind of wanted to retire. We were at the end of the season, we didn't have a mid laner. And we're just like, okay, who, who do we pick? And Riot said, or like, there's limitations of who you can sign and who you cannot sign. And basically, at that point, was we couldn't sign anyone who has been on the team, yeah. so we had to sign a complete random, or like a, someone that was not on the competitive landscape. Uh, Rux and Bean, our, our two players, looked at the latter. Was literally, they found the guy. They wrote the guy, "Hey, you want to join our team?" <laughs> he he was on the team. He played EU Masters, and three months later, he's on Australis and plays LEC
1: yeah and and
2: like it's like that it's i think it's the quickest someone went from went into the lc at all times like uh, that must have been a record and but what's the like that's the good side but the downside is and i'm not not just speaking about him like ollie's a great guy but if if this is your background like you have you you don't know how to interact with teammates you've never been in a team before you don't know like the good the bad things you don't know how I can speak to my, my teammates how can can i get my point across to not just being toxic because you don't need to communicate in in solitude there's no voice chat like these things are something that uh, are proving a real challenge for us because you get raw talent and sometimes with not the social skills that you expect from a 22 23 year old if yeah. you if you're speaking about a footballer you have to not only compete with but also against people so that means you have to you can't be an absolute ass but also you can't be a pushover like there's so much that you learn in terms of personality in terms of personal growth when you co- go through a no I'm saying traditional sports academy a team anything like this or if you look at motorsports you need to you need to be mature as hell if you if you're in motorsports if you're 16 if you're in formula 3 and you really, you I don't know, you say something stupid, that might have been the end of your career. Yeah. Like People are not getting second chances. And these are things that, to come back to the personality uh, management stuff, but these are the things that are proving to be some of the biggest challenges, I think, for all these sports teams.
1: I definitely think as sports psychologists, some research sort of needs to be done on that transition. You know, I do a lot of work in traditional sports on transition, specifically with academy footballers, like Mm -hmm. either preparing them for a life inside or outside of football. Um, And they're sort of nursed through the process to the pro level. You know, the esports player could be on the highest stage, like you said, within three months. And it's how do they even handle themselves in that moment you know all the lights and handling that pressure must be with the crowds as well that you get it's um yeah handling that transition definitely needs to be some research done in that for sure Mm
2: -hmm. Um, that's what i'm saying it's it's the best and the worst part of esports at the same time yeah
0: okay but i guess another thing so what why were we talking about this again it was the oh yeah accessibility (laughs) yeah i guess another thing would be you know, the constant patches and constant updates. Like, oh, yeah, it was the grinding we were talking about. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's another aspect as well, is League is known for recent patches, updates. So, you know, players have to be, like, uh, up to date with what's happening, what are these changes, and sort of training, that's also a contributor, I guess, in a way. And that's when
1: their role changes, though, as well, like, in terms of who's carrying and who's not. Like, you have to sort of... Yeah, change that as well. So it's that
2: we just had a conversation today. <laughs> yeah. About crazy. this thing because some champs in the
0: role. I don't want to get into too many specifics. Got,
2: oh, there we go. <laughs> and and now and now we have someone who says, ah, but my role got useless now. What what the hell are we even playing for? Like this game is shit. Yeah. And and you're like, okay, but <laughs> yeah. we still need to find a way. Like every posi- every person in your lane is the same. Has the same issues. Like it's not just you. And if you outperform your opponent, you are still, you know. And, and these are constant, like I'm saying, I'm telling you constant, that's why it sounds like it's, it's not much, oh, well, how much is work is personalities, but constant. And yeah. the, the fun thing with, with the patches is also that you, it kind of limits the, the amount that you can train, which is also an, an, an issue that every team now has, basically the LEC went the, the start date of the LEC is early and early and early. And now we're next week, we're already starting and we're only here in Berlin for 10 days. So you only really have three weeks of scrims. We had a sick player for one week, so we couldn't train for one week. And now we have two weeks of scrims before the, the league starting. And you we did scrim a little bit in December, but at the same time, everything's different. People are not even in the right head. At the same time, online scrims are never the same as offline scrims. And like this the whole patch situation makes makes it much more difficult because otherwise you say, okay, we just we just scrim the full month in, I don't know, November, December, whenever whenever we want to. But maybe things change. Maybe maybe they stay the same. Like, you, you never really know what what kind or what, where you're getting yourself into. And yeah. it, it makes, at the same time, again, this, all teams are standing in front of the same challenge, which at least uh, levels the playing field. Yeah. But you really don't have that much time to yeah, find your groove. And ultimately the the week this or the regular season this year is three weeks so if you don't have uh, the right read and maybe yeah. you missed the first week because you don't have the the right read yet and you're starting zero three you're already <laughs> pretty much you've lost a third of the game the total games that, that allow you to qualify for the latest stages so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun for sure yeah, yeah. i imagine when a patch come out you're like oh. <laughs> sometimes like both things are impossible like sometimes there's a patch and people are oh yeah, yeah. my favorite champions in the game again and sometimes yeah. there's a patch and i mean like it was last year with yumi and no one liked to play yumi and now everyone has to play Yumi because it's so broken yeah. other than us obviously And uh, yeah, these these things are going both directions, the pendulum swings in both directions.
0: Hi guys, Adri Time. So if you're an eSports player, an eSports coach, or an eSports organization who's simply interested in incorporating psychology support within your system, feel free to reach out. You know, at Mastering The Mind, we provide different types of services, whether it's one-to-one support, team support or educational workshops on the mental side of eSports. You know, we really seek to support players and coaches develop the necessary psychological skills to not only enhance their eSports performance, but enhance their eSports participation experience as well. So whether it's coping with tilt or, you know, coping with the pressure of competition, you know, those feelings of stress and anxiety before a big comp, these are all things that we can help you with. The first session is free of charge, so feel free to reach out. And if you want more information, just visit www.mtmconsultancy.org or just send us a message on our various social media accounts at mtm Right, back to the episode.
1: When you, when you say um, you manage sort of day-to-day, do you handle the team's schedules, like in terms of, um, yeah, the, the player's schedule, for example? Do you do that?
2: Yeah. Um,
1: it's so obviously... I had a, yeah, mm-hmm. I had a question about that, like in terms Please. of what are some things you consider um, in terms of maybe in a normal week, but then in competition week, what, what are some things you're conscious of when planning? Because like we're involved like, with the psychology of that. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things you consider? rest okay
2: the biggest thing in that is yeah number one thing is we the more we have on our schedule the more important rest is, is getting and sometimes we did it last year you feel it at some point there's scrims are not productive anymore you've been you've been playing for four weeks you're in the middle of the split and and just everyone's in a bad mood and and you just feel that there's something off and then you're just speaking to the coaches and we were like maybe they just need another day off like maybe they just need to you know go out for a day spend the time in the sun even though in berlin there's never sun <laughs> uh, but something like this and and this for sure is a big part and other than that like in in this split we'll actually have to see because it's the first time that we have the new format um, yeah. we have three three game days every week um and we'll have to see if at the moment, we have one off day, three train, three practice days, three three game days, and on game days we usually didn't, or at least it's not scheduled that we that we have practice. We have to see are three training days enough? Uh, do people get burned out if if we keep that schedule, or actually do we have more energy and do we want to put in another scrim day or two on on an actual game day? And today I can't tell you we've currently went with the with the format that we. Again, have three practice days, three game days, and then a day off. And we'll we'll go as, you know, <laughs> we'll see how, how it goes. Nice. And this is also something that um, when we spoke, like in the beginning of the year, we always always have a team meeting. This is going to be the schedule. This is going to be this year's rules. And we're going to do these things like this and this. And we, when we talk about the schedule, we were like, no team knows how it really goes. Also, the scrim schedule changed from playing one block of five games to two block of three games every day two blocks and at the moment it means we start earlier which actually doesn't make any sense because our games are between 5 and 10 p.m and our scrims start at 1 p.m like from uh from how you would schedule training Mm. it's actually completely completely stupid but at the same time for some reason you know it's a voting thing that every every team is kind of Uh chiming in and they're saying no no we actually prefer to have have a life outside of the game so we want to have the evening off or something like this, while yeah. other teams, including us, were pushing for, let's just move the scrim schedule way back. So we actually it actually mirrors the, the times that we actually have to perform. Because yeah. we really had the issue that some players were, I mean, you're getting used to the schedule for like a month or almost a month. And you're used to going to bed at probably not at 10 p.m., but maybe at 12 p.m. But... At the same time, we had a game last year at 12 p.m. that started at 12 p.m. Yeah. If you if you start at 10 or 11 p.m. and maybe a game before you has a delay, you're playing at midnight. And if that's your bedtime, your normal bedtime, you're as far away from performing and from your brain actually firing the way it should be as as you want it to be. Mm. So, so these are things where today I can't tell you if we have a good schedule or a bad schedule, but we'll, we'll find out <laughs> over the course of the season And I really hope that we we made a good chance. uh, We made a good choice so far. Yeah. So far, the days are longer. Like honestly, it's two days long, uh, two hours longer every day. But again, every team's in the same boat, so no need to complain.
1: No, yeah, because I'm I'm sort of big on routines as well. And if it's like constantly changing between training and and competition, like it must be super hard to sort of adapt that. Like you got to have two different routines to sort of be able to operate. I can imagine how disruptive that. yeah for sure okay um but yeah no i had a question like thrown back right to the start oh, you no. mentioned you mentioned um like, this is a personal question um <laughs> you said you always wanted to be a manager and i want to know sort of why that was do you have any like inspirations maybe from other sports maybe from motorsport like why did you always want to be a manager
2: it, it might sound weird, but I think I was always a quite rational person, okay. and I always had the feeling that in, in sports, even if you're very successful and very good at what you're doing, basically by 30, your career is over. Maybe you're, you're the GOAT, you're Ronaldo, you're Messi, you make it to 40. <clears throat> and to me, it never sounded that appealing to, to have the peak of my life that early or that, that it sort of stops and then it gets worse yeah. and I was looking at managers and they, they kind of in a, in a constant growth and basically you're getting better and better you're getting more and more your, your network expands you have more and more experience and again it might not sound like the the, the most exciting answer but I was I was a fan of kind of these not being controlled it sounds weird but being the one that's responsible for things being the one that that actually makes a difference because i think that i can make almost as much of, of a difference as my players in game and maybe my my difference or my responsibilities are more in where is Fnatic gonna be in five years or at least the fanatic yeah. league program gonna be in five years and these are things that to me always sounded really really appealing yeah. and especially in formula one like in formula one it's even you know you're, you're traveling around the world you see everything and you're just a constant factor of the paddock, which I loved back then. Yeah, I don't know these things always sounded really, really appealing because you're you're the main anchor of the team. You're the guy in resp- uh, that's responsible for a lot of people. A lot of people not only happiness but also demise. And okay, to me it always sounded so interesting. And now that I'm kind of in this business or in the business of sports and sports operations and management, <clears throat> I can just say it's. I, even though it's a lot of hours and it's very exhausting and sometimes very annoying, and most of the time it doesn't really feel like work because you're doing something that you actually really, really like to do. And you're yeah. hanging out with people. Everyone's thinking the same. Everyone kind of has this one goal. And that that makes for such a nice... I don't know. I love it. I love yeah. the, the way of, of sports, how this works. I really like it. Yeah, oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs>
1: was there any sort of in terms of like your philosophy or approach as a manager like was there anyone any books that you've read or anyone that you've seen sort of manage
2: was there any inspiration um for sure the i'm just currently finishing extreme ownership probably one of the the most standard books in terms yeah. of leadership but uh, i would consider myself to be a very reflective person a person that's always taking responsibility but in reality, everyone, when you have the chance, and when when there's a mistake that could, or that's mostly someone else, everyone kind of points the finger sometimes, you know, or say, "Hey, bro, I told you what? What the hell is this?" And this book, and again, I'm finishing it now, but I'm basically through through for ninety percent, is has actually taught me to kind of know actually if if you told this guy and he still didn't do it, it's still on you. You you should have told him better. He didn't understand, so it's still on you. Okay. And I really like this book. It's it's basically I'm not sure if you know this book or if no, I'm not read it. familiar with
1: it, but definitely but sounds it's, like extreme. Like ownership, huge. Yeah. yeah,
2: by Jocko Willing and Life Babin, two okay. Navy SEALs, and oh, basically wow. this book is about um, the the conflict in Ramadi. It was did you see American Sniper? Yeah, well, yeah. They basically Chris Kyle, the American sniper, was in their SEAL team. And they uh, were leading Chris Kyle in Ramadi in, in Iraq during those battles. And it's about the, the lessons that they've learned, the leadership lessons that they've learned on the battlefield and how it translates into business mm. or into the world of business.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, And it it really is like, I told this guy, this guy didn't do it, still on me. I didn't tell him well enough. Or yeah, it's always, they, they always try to find a way of, still making yourself accountable, making yourself responsible for the things. And ultimately, basically, Joko was the, the leader of that unit. And if something in that unit went wrong, it was on him. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the mentality that I'm trying to bring that, I mean, there there's something that, that went wrong. And I told the guy, there's a message. This guy told me he's going to do it. And I just accept, okay, this guy's doing it. He didn't do it. still on me (laughs) because ultimately even if i tell you okay this guy didn't do his job it's still on me because ultimately if it's not getting done i'm getting blamed so you have to take responsibility over everything that's in your kind of in your barn and that's definitely one one of the books that i i can recommend everyone to to read really
1: Yeah, no, for I, sure, I definitely try
0: that out. I think people value people that take ownership and just be vulnerable. You know, I think you can relate way more to someone that's like that rather than just like you said, pointing the finger and blaming other yeah. people. It's not it's... that doesn't really create the yeah. optimal culture, right? In in like an organization like Fnatic, for example. So yes, yeah,
2: I think good. as mentioned, I think every person on the planet benefits from reading this book, and it's honestly not just this book. There's probably many books like that, mm-hmm. but it's it's issues that we have every day. Like it's also something that I'm telling my players when he was like, ah, yeah, but it wasn't my mistake. I told him I'm not doing this or I'm told him I'm doing this. And I was like, if he didn't do it, it means you didn't tell him clear enough. And it's always a repeating process. Everyone can, you know, in German we say we take um, ourselves at our own nose and that's kind of it. Like you, you, ultimately if you want something done, either you do it yourself or you really make sure that whoever's doing it or whoever you make kind of sort of do it um, understands their tasks and it's it's clear and it's simple enough and yeah everything's life is about communication
1: yeah yeah, yeah for sure um you mentioned um, you're conscious of where you see fanatic in five years um i'm interested to know like what are sort of the goals of fanatic um and, and for yourself as well um yeah, yeah what, what, what
2: very easy we want to i want to lift trophies like I, I didn't come here to to be third place and second place over and over again. It's really getting annoying. Yeah. And unfortunately, we've been third, third, second, fifth since I was here. Yeah. And we were always so close. And we always had a team like every single team that I had, I, I believed in. And honestly, the the longer I've been here, we've managed to, you know, get more players that think alike and that where we think, okay, now we're better than la- next year or than last year. And in my time, we always managed. Like, I I literally think now we're better than we were last year. And I really think this is going to be the year where we will start to win again. Uh, Because for an organization like Fnatic that's won so much, like, we're the second winningest organization in the history of the league. And we didn't win since 2018. Like, it just hurt. And ultimately, that's the only goal. Like, we... And all of the other things, and that's also learning that we have. Um, no matter if it's content no matter if it's press if it's sponsorships no matter what you do in your business if you're winning it's easier if you're winning your videos get more views if you're winning your partnerships give you more money for whatever so ultimately the only goal for us is to do everything we can to to win and and yeah that's the goal and other than that we've like one of the goals when i came when i arrived is to improve the structures and because it was like so many esports yeah. teams are are led by people who kind of want to do this job but don't really have any experience or any any sort of professional approach <coughs> and um, yeah that's something that will change and that's for sure already changing um and yeah in the last two years we've we've grown so much we've again we we've invested heavily in new facilities because we had so many issues with our with our last one and still to this day they're There are LEC teams that don't have a stable internet connection because it's just Berlin. And Berlin doesn't have any normal connections. Like, it's crazy. And you have to invest in these things. You have to invest in people. You have to make sure to to kind of educate the people around you so that everyone sort of thinks the same. And these are things that where we've made leaps of progress. Like, when Reckless came back, actually, he was like, I I don't really recognize anything that's Mm -hmm. going on here because everything's different like the people are different the the culture is different the the approach of how we speak to players of how we kind of manage everything is different and to me it's a huge compliment because a lot of it was because of me and obviously dardo um but yeah it's it's an ongoing process but the last thing that's missing for the puzzle is actually winning the trophy this year okay
1: yeah, we was actually at the eSports Research Network Conference um, this year and someone from Fnatic was there and he sort of did like a bit of a talk and he broke down the sort of structure of Fnatic and that's something I was really impressed with, how big the organization is. It's, uh, it's crazy we to see. Are... Yeah, <laughs> and very it's, big.
2: <laughs> it's actually also one of the biggest challenges for for me personally, like the management team here on site, that RHQ is not in Berlin and they operate, I mean, they're in London and yeah. uh, things are different in London. Like, it's, it's, it sounds weird, but they're operating at a different time. Like, they're operating at normal business hours, like from mm, the, the classic yeah. nine to five. At five, we're in the half in the middle of our day. Like, uh, if, if you need something urgently, uh, like, these things have caused issues. Just that some of the decision makers are in London. Some of the decision makers are here. And sometimes we just don't really, That's wait. yeah, yeah it's, it's that complicates processes. For example, other organizations have, have done it. Uh, have had a different approach. They moved completely to Berlin, and we're still a little bit of a hybrid environment. Um, and again, we've gotten much much better. Yeah. But these are things that are kind of challenges that you don't really expect to have when you yeah when you start out and you think ah oh, it's fanatic. a big organization, and you think but many things still are not where it actually should be.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. But your merch is so cool. Like he, his merch that he had on uh, was really cool. He yeah. had the, it was a BMW one. Uh, so yeah, the I sponsors think.
2: are unreal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the the pro kits that we have and also the merch that we have is really really cool. Like yeah. that's something actually funny funny side thing. When when Reckless said or told his his family that he's joining Fnatic again, it was like ah, his dad basically said ah, yeah, Fnatic is the coolest jersey. I'm happy that you're with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's the, the, the small things they make yeah. a difference <laughs> i need to be one of them Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, we can sort these things out don't
1: <laughs> okay um and on more of a personal level in uh say 20 20 so years can we see you in a team principal in the f1 or <laughs> that was
2: always the goal that was always the goal yeah the, nah. the thing is it's gotten it's gotten more difficult like honestly these days, with with billionaires taking over teams, and suddenly they're the principal. Like, I don't know if you if you've seen it, but actually, I think one of the the lead engineers of Mercedes is now principal of Williams. Williams, yeah, happened today now. I'm really really yeah. happy about these these things. Like, yeah. that's the Formula One that I really like, and I'm I'm not a fan of, you know, of the the whole paid driver thing, and it's gotten so expensive to just get close to F1 level, and so. Obviously, really in boomed. principle, would be would be yeah. the dream, but I'm sure, honestly, that esports first of all is is still it's in, in its infancy. Like it's still so crazy that we're, we're such a big industry that no one really knows about, and it's getting better and better and more and more public. Yeah. But who knows? Basically, yeah, I only have two passions, and that's motorsports with obviously F one and and esports.
1: Is that how you like to disconnect then? Watch uh watch F one.
2: I like to sleep for sure. Watching the, <laughs> <one>. <laughs> like, Priority, the only yeah. thing that I was ever annoyed by Formula One is that the races are just too long. Like yeah. uh, they they made a good change with DRS. They made like they try, but at the same time I think they're kind of regulating it to death a little bit. Like the FIA is a little too involved, if you ask me. Yeah, okay. but it's still I've just I don't know if you've ever been to a race, but just seeing these machines yeah. to me is something. You need to go to race.
1: No 100% I want to go to Silverstone really bad. Uh, you should. yeah.
2: And actually you you need to go on a day. Sometimes there are show cars like some of the old B10 and B12 show cars. Yeah. You need to listen to this. Because one of the things when when I joined F1 is I was always wondering like you know there was you see people in in the pits there's the, the people turn on the car and they're always like this you know they turn they're holding down their ears and, and I was yeah. like enjoy the noise what the, what they're doing. Do? <laughs> yeah. no, it's an engine. And when you ever get close to one of these cars, then you realize if this thing turns on and it's not even close to you, like your whole body is vibrating, especially the old V10s. Like now, not that much. Like yeah. you need to, you need to experience a V10 Formula One engine in real life. 100%. This, this will change your, your attitude. Yeah,
1: no, yeah, I definitely want to do it very soon. Do you have like a driver or a team that you sort of root for, or is it just? Uh...
2: It was always Sebastian Vettel, so okay. I have yeah. to find a new one now.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, my, I'm my, actually my, very... Yeah,
1: my friend works for McLaren, so that's sort of the team that I'm rooting for. Lando Norris. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think of Norris? I'd love for him to, like, be put in a car that could actually push for, for a championship, but, yeah, I think he's a good driver. What do, do you, you
2: think? Do you think he's a nice guy or he's not a nice guy?
1: Um, I think he has, like, a, a balance between the two. I, I would say he's a nice guy, but yeah he uh he has
2: two sides he he gives me such such vibes of you know on a good day he's you know the fun lando but i'm sure this guy can can be a real pain in the ass as well like this this is sort of the vibe that i'm getting from him some of his
1: interviews like seem like that like uh, a bit sarcastic and uh yeah
2: yeah like I really know, i know what you mean yeah. but obviously super talented guy but at the same time like i basically i joined to Ross together with danny ricardo back in the days okay. and that's why he also kind of holds a place dear in my heart so i'm hoping that he he finds his way back yeah man, otherwise i really see. have to find a new one
1: well people think that he's gonna sort of uh push his way into that second seat at red bull like because uh perez like not not too sure we'll yeah see, so we'll
2: see like understand. i'm i'm not too sure what this what what's the plan actually with
1: him mm. Now I'm looking forward to Drive to Survive. That's sort of what got me into it, like a couple of years ago when that first series came out. So that ever since then, I've sort of been really involved. Martin Brundle, his his grid walks just. But
2: question regarding Drive to Survive: okay. Do you uh, do you think it's gotten worse? Um.
1: Yeah, because it. I think before what really. For me, I loved how it had a lot of focus on the smaller teams. So when I watched a race, I understood how important the midfield was and how important it is to even just get in the points. Like what impact that has for the smaller teams. So I wasn't just rooting for the people at the top, you know. I'm rooting for for the midfield as well. So that's why I, I enjoyed it so much. Um, but apparently, there's a lot of drama going to happen in the in the new one. So yeah,
2: we'll see. For, for, sure. for me, the one thing that annoys me with the last two seasons of Drive to Survive is that they sort of start to make uh to overdramatize it. Yeah. Like I, I don't for example, if you obviously you probably remember the Grosjean crash. Yeah. I was watching that live and I was like, oh, you know, oh shit, like what's going on there? And it couldn't have been more dramatic than it was on <laughs> live TV. Yeah. And for some reason, Drive to Survive, they over-dramatized it to a degree where I was like, it doesn't, doesn't need anything like this. Yeah. And that's why I'm kind of like, I really like it because you see the real side of F1 to a degree. Um, yeah, well, well they make
1: things up though. Like uh, like they make dynamics that aren't actually, because wasn't it like Lando and Daniel like don't really like each other or something? But yeah, like the, the like smallest
2: things were... Yeah. Like, f everyone has so much drama, it doesn't need anything extra.
1: Yeah. Like,
2: I think the one thing that I noticed uh, was, or that I, I think I saw a YouTube video about it, where Leclerc had a crash in Monza, I think it was. Yeah. And it was basically, he shunted, there was a one-second delay, and then it was like, I'm fine.
0: Mm. And in
2: the series, it was like, the crash, and then it was like, you know, dramatic music, five minutes of silence, people were looking like this in the paddock. And I was like, brother, it's like, <laughs> it was like <laughs> a minute. Every, everyone knew it, nothing happened, yeah, yeah. and like these things don't. I think don't make it better, but we'll see us about season five. I think it is. Yeah, like, I'm actually actually crazy. curious, yeah. but it's very positive that it brings uh completely new oh, wow. spotlight on f one. Like yeah. it, it was very needed. Hundred percent.
1: Um, but yeah, no. As sort of like a final question, we have a new segment
2: in this new season to
1: do with esports where. We asked the previous guests to ask the future guest the question um, <laughs> and they don't know who the future guest was. So it's a completely random question. It's from Luis Pirox Chavez, who's actually a professional League of Legends head coach in mm-hmm. Brazil. Um, and he asked, if you had one, if you had to do one thing and one thing only for the next five to 10 years, what would it be?
2: Train Jiu-Jitsu. Wow.
1: Oh, okay.
2: okay. I, I got bitten by the bug. Yeah. No, yeah, funny stuff. It's it's. I mean, it's similar to League of Legends. You start this stuff, and it's like I don't know anything. Like I've been doing martial arts my whole life, and I've I've gotten to jujitsu, and I was like, I, I know I can fight. Like I'm probably I don't know, know the t- techniques and everything, and I've gotten to this, and you get smashed by white belts who look like they've never worked out before. Yeah. So th- and this is this is for sure a skill that I want to put much much more emphasis on. Okay. And it's probably something that's, that's I don't know. Not the not the generic answer. Yeah, no, yeah.
1: I wasn't wasn't expecting that. I was actually listening to Joe Rogan today, and he was like talking through his like career, his uh, on his podcast, and uh, he was mentioning that like he was really good at kickboxing, and then he went to jujitsu, and he he thought that he was like the top dog, like he'd be able to <laughs> fight anyone, and then he did jujitsu, and soon like experienced he is not that guy. Yeah, it's, it's a whole different ball game.
2: I recommend everyone to try it out. Like it's even like it's even the like the most gentle martial art. Like you're not really hitting each other. It, you're yeah. still gonna get bruised for sure. But it's it's one thing that I used to do with Taekwondo. I used to do Judo, do kickboxing as well. And in these things, like weight and strength and things matter much more. Like a black belt in Taekwondo, if he weighs 30 kilos less than you, like of course he has technique, and of course if you if you're careless, he he will he will kill you. But still, it's like, you feel like you have a chance in jiu-jitsu. As long as this guy grabs you, and he doesn't even need to be like a black belt. If he's a blue belt and this guy grabs you, you have no chance. You're a passenger. You're like a kid. You're
0: Excellent. like a kid.
2: Yeah, and it's so, so technical. I recommend everyone to try it out. And that's something, again, that I really, I'm really, i really motivated by yeah. going part, kind of down that trajectory. Yeah, and it has a lot of
1: psychological benefits as well. Like, I know that like, it teaches a lot of discipline and things like that. So yeah uh, maybe a sufficient general failure. Trial.
2: <laughs> <Failure> <laughs> yeah. every day because okay. you, you're gonna lose. you're gonna lose every day 100%. and it's it's fascinating for the mind for sure.
1: Yeah. So in terms of like your question for the next guest, like you don't know who it's gonna be, what would be mm. your question? What's the most interesting question you got so far?
0: Oof. <laughs> interesting question.
1: We're actually like making like a compilation out of them all um, and then we'll release that at some point.
0: A lot have been like who has been your biggest inspiration, like along those lines, or someone mm. who has been important in your life, or what do you, know. you value
1: most in a coach or support staff? Um, like maybe if a player was to come on,
2: because I'm always interested in the people behind it, maybe it would be more something like uh, what would you do if you weren't working in esports? Yeah,
0: like something that's like this a good is one.
2: always. Uh, I I don't know. It's interesting yeah, to
0: me. I like definitely. it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because I'm uh I'm big on identity as well. Like in terms of, like the transition inside and outside of football, they need to have a wider identity, um, to help that transition. So this is like perfect for that. Um,
2: yeah, I'm no. curious on the answer of whoever it will be.
0: Yeah, yeah sure. definitely.
1: Um, but yeah, no. Thanks so much for sort of coming on the pod and, and sharing some time with us. I understand you're a busy My guy. My pleasure. Fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh it was really good. I enjoyed it. I, I learned a lot for sure. Yeah, Yeah
2: happy to hear happy to hear but Yeah, no, if we heard, and we to you, you guys much success to to continuing the podcast and kind of going going down the line thank you, know. you so
0: much thank you very much outro time for Oli now <laughs> uh,
1: we uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode if you could please share this with your friends or someone you feel would benefit from it most importantly like, subscribe comment down below any questions or guests you'd like us to get on in the future also go follow us on Twitter and Instagram links will be in the description of the YouTube video or find us at Mastering the Mind podcast thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one <laughs>